Popular podcaster Andrew Tate was just recently arrested in Romania for sex crimes, among other things. And a lot of people are suspicious. Is this actually something Andrew Tate did, or is this yet another attempt to emasculate a man who has a strong message of manhood? Did he rub the wrong people the wrong way? In other words, of course, that's what he's accused of. But we'll see if that actually happened in the way that a lot of people are saying online, that ultimately, because he had a strong message of manhood, People are trying to undermine that. And we'll look at that as we look at pop culture. We'll see Ariana Grande thinks that God is a woman, and we'll look at why she thinks that. And then we'll look at examples of manhood like Prince Harry, who just recently released his book, Spare. And then we'll see what's happening with Jordan Peterson and how he may lose his license for the stand that he's taken up. Which of these two men actually look like real men? We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Anchor. We're talking about manhood and masculinity today, so maybe you are going to be courageous and start a new business in the new year. Not that you have to necessarily be a man for that, but it certainly takes a lot of courage, which men should have. And if you're going to do that, it's good to have somebody who is a competent expert in your corner who can help you with tasks that maybe you don't want to fiddle with or maybe you don't have the expertise to mess with. So that's things like payroll, accounting, hiring, staffing, all of the solutions that you'll need as a young business or a small business. And our friends over at Anchor can help you with all of that. But if you're going to go there, you got to make sure you get the name right. That's A-N-C-U-R dot B-I-Z. So go check our friends over at Anchor because they can help you put legs underneath your vision. There's no sense in reinventing the wheel or trying to teach yourself everything that you need to know to run a successful business overnight. Call the experts and get their help. And you can do that by going to A-N-C-U-R dot B-I-Z. But make sure when you go over there, let them know that IndieThinker sent you. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And if you want to take your indie thinking journey to the next level, not only like, share, and subscribe, but you can also sign up for our newsletter on IndieThinker.org. And that is a place where I go into stories that I didn't have time to discuss on the show and dig into them a little bit deeper. But it's also the place for exclusive content. So I'm very often uh, creating videos there that you can only see if you're an email subscriber, and then also releasing eBooks totally for free and and more on on my uh, newsletter. So that's that's the place for Indie Thinker exclusive content. So if you want to take your Indie Thinking journey to the next level, you need to make sure to go to IndieThinker.org, scroll down just a little bit where you can go to access our newsletter and you can insert your email and that will go straight to your inbox. I highly encourage you to do that. Uh, especially as we're digging into subjects like what we have to talk about today. We're going to be looking at the attack on manhood and masculinity and perhaps the greatest casualty of the attack on manhood, which is fatherlessness. And I believe fatherlessness is the key issue of our time. If you can take fathers out of the home, you take the protector, you take the leaders out of the home, and ultimately it leaves us susceptible to so much of what we're experiencing in society today. And you have no further than to just look at some basic statistics to verify this. See, in the United States, we have the highest share of single-parent homes than anywhere else in the world. So much for prosperity and the great effects that it is having on us in the West. 80% of mass shooters 
which are predominantly young males, um, 80% of them come from father-absent homes. So that's since the Columbine boys and to the present, 80% of those young men did not have fathers in the home. Without a father, girls are more likely to abort their babies, and they are seven times more likely to get pregnant as teenagers without a father in the home. And children, especially boys, are two times more likely to drop out of school. See, we're experiencing this and so much more as a result of not having fathers in the home. And as we continue to emasculate young men and tell them in places like California that you can't even hold a girl's hand without first asking for consent and then those girls laugh in their face, it's no wonder that young boys especially right now are demoralized and they don't understand how to be real men because they're consistently told by the culture that manhood is is toxic and the only cure for that is emasculation. So along comes people like Andrew Tate who actually upholds and exalts certain aspects of manhood that are redemptive and good, among some other things that are not so good. And it's no wonder that Andrew Tate becomes so popular when he's saying things like this. Yeah, so I think that being a man is very, very difficult. I think that men's issues are largely overlooked. A lot of young men growing up today that feel very disaffected. They feel invisible. The agendas that are being forced down their throats are not agendas they align with or they feel affinity to or agendas they want. And I basically just say to men, look, it's a very hard life. You're going to need to get up, work hard, go to the gym. Strong body is a strong mind. You're going to have to reject listening blindly to everything you're told. Reject the slave mind. Think for yourself. Get a strong network of brothers. Work aside them. Don't tolerate low quality people in your life which means don't tolerate men who just smoke drugs and play video games, and try and build and create a reality full of high-quality people in which you can resist the programming that the Matrix tries to uh, influence you with. See, it's no wonder that he has a a space online as a podcaster and more that is very prominent when he's saying things like this when young boys are being lied to on a regular basis. Now, that is not to say that everything that Andrew Tate does is great because he was just recently arrested in Romania on sex crime charges, imprisoning women, and organized crime. Now, there's a lot of people who suggest that because of his very outspoken nature and the way that he talks about manhood and masculinity, that he's made enemies in the wrong places, and perhaps that has something to do with the fact that he was just arrested. And he was in a verbal spat with Greta Thunberg, which makes me love him already. Uh, Right before he was arrested, he posted a selfie with a picture of a pizza box in it, and apparently that pizza box had an address, and then shortly after that address was posted online, he was arrested. Now, I would say that that is not necessarily conclusive evidence that he is not guilty of the things he was just arrested for, but it's, but it's also worth saying that when you live a life of utter materialism and uh, pleasure-seeking like Andrew Tate often posts and says that men should do, you invite the kind of trouble into your life and into your home that he just experienced. So, for instance, people like the guys over at the Daily Wire, Matt Walsh and Ben Shapiro and others, are very outspoken on issues all of the time. And let's just say that they don't make a lot of friends on online, but yet they've never been arrested for these kind of things. So whether we agree that he was that he's innocent and he shouldn't have been arrested or that perhaps living the kind of lifestyle he lives has put himself in a bit of an imposition. It's undeniable that Andrew Tate does say some things from time to time that are missing in our society today. 
things like I just illustrated. Men need brothers. They need good people to surround themselves with. They need a job. They need to work hard. Obviously, there's way more to life than the prescription that Andrew Tate just gave us and and what he just said, but it's undeniable that that prescription is missing in society, and that is why he is so popular. In fact, I would go the extra mile and just say that a truer prescription for manhood and masculinity is all those things that he just said, because it's actually right. But I would also add to it the role of chivalry, because one of the things that Andrew Tate gets wrong is that obviously he thinks women should be more chaste than men, but I don't understand the kind of self-defeating logic here if he's going to go around spoiling and having sex with as many women as possible, but yet he thinks women should be chaste. Should he ever meet a woman that uh, took his advice, he will have a bad night, uh, apparently. So, so chivalry is not dead, and if we're going to be true men, we need to resurrect it as much as possible. And then the other thing I would say, and he kind of alludes to this, but not directly enough, that men need to be, they, they need to have integrity. My dad told me a long time ago, real men don't lie, and it stuck with me as a young boy. And, uh, and, and fathers play that role consistently in the lives of young men to help them truly understand what it means to be a man, to have integrity, to tell the truth, to have morals, to have a set of values that you can live by. Because frankly, it's not enough to just say, get up and go to the gym. And positive mental attitude isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Because if we don't have a standard or a set of values or a system of beliefs that ordain our behavior, then we're probably not going to follow through with any of the goals and standards that we try to set for ourselves. So so we need to have a strong system of morality, which brings us to the next thing that Andrew Tate almost always forgets. He forgets faith. We, especially as men, are way better at mimicry and way better at looking at examples and following examples than we are at being creative in and of ourselves. And there is no greater example on the planet than God, than Jesus. And as we look to this quintessential man, we are given an example of what authentic manhood looks like so that we don't have to create it on our own. And we need that example, especially because we're living in a fatherless generation where we don't have examples in the home teaching us what it means to actually be a man. And it's no wonder as we reject faith that we're rejecting God the Father and we're finding fatherless homes more and more. But this is why Andrew Tate is so successful, is that he's speaking to a culture that used to talk about necking, you know, that used to talk about getting hot and heavy, and that was no more than actually getting to first base. And now we get to home plate, and then we ask the girl for her name. We're living in a toxic hookup culture, and instead of producing real men as the remedy for that, we are castigating and emasculating men as the remedy for that. But you see, fatherlessness and emasculated men is actually the real problem. We're told today that patriarchy is the problem. And, and, and third wave and second wave feminists are, are here to remedy that by creating emasculated men. And the, the end result of that is a bunch of passive men. But the problem with that is that we need strong fathers in homes as the greatest stopgap against the exploitation of children and the abuse of women. So you see, the real problem is not patriarchal men, it's passive men. And so it leaves us just with these two questions. One, if you see this problem, if you see that in the culture that fathers don't exist 
and that you need to parent not just your kids, but also you need to make an impact in the culture. If you're a good father, you have a responsibility to other fatherless young boys and men in the culture. If you see that, what are you going to do about it? And maybe more importantly, are you part of the problem? And we'll dig into some of those problems as we look at our top stories today. In Christianity Not Today, we look at things that are going on in the culture today and that are not so Christian and try to provide a Christian perspective on those things. So about four years ago, Ariana Grande created a song, and the title is God is a Woman. Now, forgive me for being four years late to the party um, and not being hip with pop culture references, but the problem is, is that I just don't care. But nonetheless, I came across this song the other day and this fragrance in a in a store that is called God is a Woman, apparently, and um, and and I thought that it was worth mentioning uh, because uh, before Matt Walsh was going around asking the question, what is a woman, Ariana Grande was giving us the answer to that question. And so apparently God is a woman. So no, what, is, what does she mean by that? And is this actually just our cultural confusion on full display as we consistently walk away from the faith and then wonder why we don't have any concept of who God actually is. But let me just read some of the lyrics of the song so that you can know exactly what Ariana is after here. So it goes like this. You, you love it how I move you. You love it how I touch you. My one, when all is said and done, you'll believe God is a woman. And I, I feel it after midnight, a feeling that you can't fight. My one, it lingers when you're done. You'll believe God is a woman. It should come as no surprise that, um, that she believes that, uh, that we will meet God because we have sex with a narcissistic pop singer. So, of course, we should have guessed that this is really just all a euphemism for sex. But, but I do believe that this illustrates something much broader because this God the mother instead of God the father trend has been happening in churches around America as of late and and evangelical circles as well. And you can see that here. I've also been a voice for women in leadership. God gave me the privilege of being a part of helping to build a great and influential church, Willow Creek. If God is only male, if God is only white, what possibilities does that limit for those of us whose identity markers are different? What power structure does that establish in our world? In her book, God is a Black Woman, Christina Cleveland writes about how this narrow view restricts our imagination. That's how I understand the American church. Just inherently rotten at this point. The DNA of white supremacy and patriarchy is so baked in. I don't see hope in that space. I think the way forward for me is a burn it down and then burn something new. This is not a structure that can be reformed. But one of the things that I love is starting to see matriarchal spiritual communities coming together. So based upon what you just saw, I think it's I think it's obvious. We live in a God-confused generation, which it's incumbent upon pastors to preach the Bible as a result of that. But but I think that that shows us a couple of things that that need to be noted, especially as it pertains to manhood. And the first one is this is that 
the culture for the longest time has thought that they wanted to malign traditional values and Christianity in particular because traditional masculinity is toxic and, you know, Christians are so judgy and they try to shove the religion down people's throat. Um, you know, you think about the Gandhi quote that I love their Jesus, but I hate their Christians. That's kind of loosely given anyway. But, but what we see from Ariana Grande and the God is a woman kind of trend is actually that the real problem was never with Christianity. The real problem was never with Christians. The real problem is that people hate the truth and will reject it at all costs and then use excuses to try to get away from the truth. So they'll blame Christians and they'll blame the religion of Christianity and they'll look at a couple of examples in the past where Christians have done something that's wrong and then try to qualify all of Christianity as bankrupt of of morality, but we see the truth. The truth is, is that our culture is becoming more and more morally bankrupt as we move further and further away from Christianity. So is it any wonder when we attempt to create God in our own image that actually God starts to look pretty pitiful and we start to do some pretty pitiful things? And it's the second thing I would say about this. Is it any wonder when you reject Christianity that then you have the obligation, the duty, the responsibility to form God the way you want him to be formed? And isn't it funny how when we have the opportunity to create the God of our own choosing, that he looks exactly like you and me? This is the deal with God as a woman. Because ultimately what Ariana Grande is trying to do and others like her is merely to make herself God. I've said it before on the show over and over again, and I use Nietzsche, the famous atheist, to to kind of cite this quote, that when God is not on the throne, someone will take his place. And Nietzsche says it like this, that if we've killed God, if God truly is dead and his blood is on our hands, who will wash it away? In other words, the one who was supposed to take our guilt and our shame away, God, is now dead and now there's no one left to wash our hands anymore. But thankfully, guys, the guesswork is over because God has come to this earth so that you didn't have to try to create him as a figment of your own imagination, so that you didn't have to look in a mirror and say, boy, that's exactly what God looks like, which is idolatry, by the way. God came to this earth to show us what he really looks like. And it's not that God, who is a spirit, is a man, but it's that the characteristics of God are best illustrated through masculinity and manhood. And that is why Jesus came to this earth as a man to help people understand who God was. And God the Father is a good thing. It's not a patriarchal thing. A father is somebody who's nurturing. He's a protector. He's a guiding force in turbulent times. And he's a solid foundation in the midst of an ever-changing world. See, God came to this earth as a man so that you wouldn't have to try to make him up on your own. And it's a good thing. Because the gods that you create on your own, they look pretty pitiful. But it's no wonder that people want to try to create God in their own image, which is a sin as old as time. Because the more men move away from, from God, the greatest example of manhood, they're becoming less and less noteworthy and less and less interesting. And that's where we bring Prince Harry, uh, who just recently wrote his new book, Spare. And as you can see from the cover of the book, this guy loves his humongous melon. 
So just recently, Harry was on 60 Minutes to talk to Anderson Cooper about his book and the big takeaways or the bombshell things that the book gives us that are illustrated in this interview are as follows, as we can tell from this news article by USA Today. And instead of reading the whole interview, I'll just give you the three bombshells. Prince Harry never intended to hurt family with his memoir, but of course he did. And that he also used psychedelic drugs after the death of his mother, Princess Diana. And finally, that he didn't believe that his father needed to marry Camilla. Okay, so this groundbreaking interview with Anderson Cooper and P. Harry over here um, illustrated three things for us. That... Prince Harry is willing to betray his family, use drugs, and complain about his stepmother. Now, I have to just ask you, what does that sound like? I'll give you a couple seconds here to kind of figure it out. But, but what do those gripes actually sound like? Okay. Now, if you're stumped, let me help you. But maybe you got it. It sounds like what a teenage boy always says. I hate my stepmom. You're not my real mommy. And you know, the drug use thing and betraying your family, which of course is all the behavior of somebody who is experiencing prolonged adolescence, which we shouldn't be too surprised by a guy who has lived a very pampered lifestyle and continues to live a pampered lifestyle while all the time complaining about how he has been unjustly treated. Well, enjoy your Netflix special, your book deals in your millions of dollars. I hope it wasn't too hard for you. But this, this whole idea of prolonged adolescence is clearly a result of fatherlessness in America and abroad. And it's clear that Prince Harry has some, some daddy issues. While he had a dad in the home, let's please not neglect the fact that just because you have a dad in the home doesn't mean you have a dad. I think we're all, at least at this point in time, familiar with kind of the Dwayne Wades of the world who want to try to gender transition your son in order to make a quick buck off of the pain and suffering of your child. Real men in the home actually stand up for truth in their home. And so just because there's a man in the home doesn't actually mean you have a father in the home. And and the result of not having a father in the home is that young boys assumedly Prince Harry here, is is continually experiencing their adolescence far beyond their, their actual age or far beyond the age that they actually should. Back in 2017, Scientific America, along with other publications, proclaimed that 25 is the new 18. And here's why they did that. And they say, beyond just a drop in alcohol use and sexual activity, the study authors found that since around 2000, teens have become considerably less likely to drive, have an after-school job, and to date. By the early 2010s, it also appeared that 12th graders were going out far less frequently than 8th graders did in the 1990s. That's insane. In 1991, 54% of high schoolers reported having had sex at least once. In 2015, the number was down to 41%. Now, I know what you're saying. Uh, me as a Christian, I should be extolling some of these things. Less sexual activity, you know, less uh, promiscuity, all that kind of stuff. Uh, less alcohol use. I, I, well, I, I do applaud the end result, but not the reason why. Because... There's a good result, but a wrong reason. Here's why. Because kids are now more addicted to their screens and more addicted to pornography than ever before. So you see, they're acting like children rather than developing and maturing. That's why they're drinking less and having sex less. So they're not doing it for moral reasons, in other words. So 
This especially spiked during the pandemic when kids were sent home to watch their screens and to stay away from school. So since the pandemic, the rate has hovered um, way above uh, its normal rate and kind of stayed there. But what's interesting about that rate of uh, amount of young men who are participating in the uh, watching of screens and specifically in the watching of pornography, about 54% or so of adolescents watch pornography at home. And that's about the same number on average when you take into account different family demographics. That's about the average number of homes that don't have fathers in them. So you see... The less fathers in home, the more kids will act like children and partake in things that they shouldn't as children. So we need role models. We need real godly men, pictures of courage to stand up in the face of pressure, not fold like a cheap suit like Prince Harry, who's consistently complaining and whining about how easy his life has been rather than to take it on the chin, regardless of how difficult his life has been, and then to help people overcome. Rather, he's taken the route of victimization and complaining rather than to help people cope with these things and be the bigger person. But there is one person who we can look up to, especially recently, who was just ordered to a re-education camp of sorts. According to the College of Psychologists from Ontario, they've threatened to revoke Jordan Peterson's license unless he undergoes a re-education program and social media sensitivity training. Now, I'm sure at this point in time, if you watch the show especially, you know who Jordan Peterson is and probably know him far outside of my show. Um, But Jordan Peterson is perhaps one of the most important popular intellectuals of our day and is a psychologist and apparently still holds, even though he doesn't need one, still holds a license to practice psychology from the College of Ontario. I'm sure that he can get one in the United States uh, should he pursue it. Um, And sounds like he should. Uh, By the way, speaking of sounding like, it sure sounds like Canada is just an absolute hellhole. So Jordan Peterson can't go online and tell the truth about men and women and have conversations with people like a normal intellectual without having people in Canada say, we're going to revoke your license unless you undergo our re-education program. Yes, you guys are very free up in Canada. You may be very polite, but you're very oppressed. But what we see here is that Jordan Peterson isn't giving in. Jordan Peterson would rather have his license revoked, and he said as much, and blamed Justin Trudeau for at least being in charge while all of these kind of oppressive tactics are happening in Canada. And he has no intention of slowing down, no intention of apologizing, no intention of changing his his message. Maybe his tone, sure, and maybe we all should. Um, But that's the one thing I appreciate about Jordan Peterson. I have watched him evolve and watched him change his tone while also staying true to the truth, which is what real men do. And this shows us something about actual courage. Jordan Peterson's stand against these people who are trying to re-educate him um, is very important to us because real courage costs you something. See, Harry doesn't get that. He's enriching himself on the back of, his, back of his own victimization. See, he gets to complain and he makes money from it, while Jordan Peterson over here is likely to be penalized for his courage. That's what real courage looks like. It's, it's standing up in the face of opposition, even when it can hurt you, not enriching yourself and then saying you have opposition. And this is, this is a good reminder to us about how important it is to have good, godly role models 
good examples of what an actual man looks like in society. So I'm thankful for somebody like Jordan Peterson, who is displaying for the world to see what good men look like, what courage actually looks like. And we need those examples. As I said before, we're better at replicating than we are creativity. We need examples to follow. See, because we need confidence if we're going to be real men. And confidence comes from faith. Now, hear me on this. You don't have confidence if you cannot believe that you can do something or be something that you haven't seen. So you can't have confidence without faith in that way. You need to believe in something that is unseen in order to have that confidence. See, this is why we struggle with confidence. We don't know if we'll accomplish it. We don't know if we'll be able to do it. We don't know if we have what it takes. All of that is struggling with our confidence and struggling with our kind of like emotional security. And this is why we have so many insecure men, because we have so few examples of what it means to actually do something. Because if you do something of value anyway, from a, from a masculine perspective, because if we do, what that does is it gives us the confidence, the faith that we need to proceed. See, if we see another man do it, it helps us believe that we can do it ourselves. And of course, it doesn't have to be a man who is a good example. Of course, women can be good examples, and men need the examples of good women in, in their midst, but they especially need men who are like them, um, who share their same biological sex, to exemplify what it means to be a man so that we can find the confidence to be men. So in other words, we need that faith, in, especially in the absence of good godly examples of what manhood actually looks like to be who we're, who we're created to be. So while we demolish faith in the West, is it any wonder why we have unconfident men? Or men that think they know what confidence is, but really it's just false bravado and a bunch of insecurity. We have a bunch of men who think by pushing people around and telling people their mind that that's what makes them actually competent and confident men. Not wisdom, not intellect, not virtue, not, not morality, not, not compassion for others. See, we get it so wrong, which is why I prescribe that we restore faith and restore community. Because with community, you have examples around you, but also when men fail to be those examples, you can have the greatest example placed before you in, in that of Jesus, who is by far the greatest role model and the greatest picture of masculinity the world has ever seen. And I defy you to find a better example of that because Jesus was able to clench both the reality of great compassion and great strength always telling the truth, but also doing it in the most tender and winsome way. Jesus was able to do this. So otherwise, we'll start looking to the garbage dump to start finding what manhood actually looks like. If we don't have fathers in the home and we reject faith, ultimately all we're doing is we're participating in the progressivist experiment of cutting off our nose despite our face. Real progress looks like this. Good, godly men following a good father, God. That is the recipe for true manhood. And I'd love to know what examples you have followed and are continuing to follow as you pursue what manhood actually looks like, whether that be somebody in your home or actually anything that you've learned about what it means to be a man or masculinity from the Bible. You can leave that down in the comments section below, but that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And to go with God.